for a young person, one hour of Instagram could be toxic if all they're doing is comparing themselves to others. It could be junk tech, just like mindless scrolling, like eating a bag of candy. Or it could be healthy tech if they're making meaningful connections, part of a community, being creative, or doing any type of self-care. That was Dr. Shimmy King. We'll be hearing more from her and her son, Josh, soon. Technology use among children and youth has long been a hot topic for families. And during COVID-19, with the increased use of unreliance on screens, the topic is even more of a concern. Families are constantly looking for better ways to address kids' tech use because the reality is, screen time in many homes remains a constant battle. Can we help our kids develop healthy tech habits? How do we find balance as families and keep tech in check? I'm Michelle Horn. And I'm Bryn Asquith. Joining us today are Dr. Shimmy Kang and her son Josh to talk about how to create healthy tech habits in your home. Josh is a 14-year-old who's passionate about sports, student government, and giving back to his community. And like many kids, he can be found connecting with friends online playing the latest video games. Dr. Shimmy Kang is a psychiatrist, clinical associate professor at the University of British Columbia, a speaker, and she's a mom of three. She also happens to be a best-selling author. Her latest book is The Tech Solution, Creating Healthy Habits for Kids Growing Up in a Digital World. So Dr. King, why is talking about healthy tech habits so important to you? It's so important to me as a parent of three children aged 10, 13, and 14, and also as a psychiatrist. Really, um, technology is a key issue of our time. I use the analogy that technology is the fire of our moment in human history, just like fire was a very important human innovation and those who knew how to use it were able to advance and those who didn't were burned. I feel technology is the same way. If we use it well, it will help our health, our happiness, our innovation. Uh, And if we don't use it well, um, it could really lead to a lot of negative outcomes, including what we know now, anxiety and addiction patterns. So to really um, develop a framework and healthy habits around it, I believe is a key priority for our health, happiness and success. Yeah, and I totally agree with you. I feel like in my parenting circles, the conversation always ends up steering towards technology at some point and screen times in the home and what everyone's doing to tackle it. Josh, from your perspective as a youth, what does tech time look like in your house? Um, Watching Netflix or just playing video games for hours on end, like that's limited. That doesn't really happen. So like a rule for me, like I've just followed by and I feel like pretty comfortable with and I feel like it is a good thing for me is like the rule we have of only like playing like one and a half to two hours of video games like every weekend. And I'm only allowed to play on weekends during school. So just making sure that all my schoolwork gets done first. So it's just like getting my priorities straight. Dr. King, what does the latest evidence say about how much time kids are spending on screens? And what should parents and caregivers actually be aiming for? Before COVID, the research was showing from Common Sense Media that the average adolescent between the age of, I believe, 12 and 18 was spending uh, seven to nine hours on screens, and that was outside of school and homework. Um, So if you really think about that number, uh, it, it was profound. You know, when you think about how young people need to sleep, you know, depending on their age group nine to 12 hours a day. And of course, they need physical movement, exercise, uh, real life social bonding and connection. And then school, where was that uh, screen time coming in? 
after COVID now, it's completely different. Um, screens are important in tech uh, for school and social connection. So I imagine that number has gone up. That's what the research is showing. Uh, but with that, though, we are seeing the sleep and physical movement going down. So this is such an important conversation at this moment in time with um, the pandemic as well. I guess sometimes I've heard, you know, parents with younger kids and stuff should be aiming for, you know, a certain number of hours of screen time. What do you say when you get asked that question by parents and caregivers? You know, it's interesting because initially the discussion, the conversation was around screen time. And I think that made sense perhaps early on, but really it's not an issue of time. It's an issue of quality. You know, the American Pediatric, um, Canadian Pediatric Society are saying no screens prior to the age of two. And one of the things I mentioned in my book, The Tech Solution, is actually delay screen time as long as possible. Um, unless there's an actual reason that you need to, let's really look at this as a framework of delay, delay, delay. And then uh, I suggest looking for three important life skills that are mastered to a certain degree before we introduce devices to young people. And those would be some sense of emotional regulation, kind of knowing how to manage your um, stress and anxiety and anger so you're not turning to screens to do that. Some sense of time management, you know, when to stop a task and move on to the next one, and some sense of real life social skills. Other than that, I try not to put time parameters around it because I think it's really hard to count the time now, especially because we need technology for school, but really uh, to hone in and expand and really understand the conversation from a sense of quality and what type of screen consumption is beneficial what type is toxic and what type is kind of like, you know, what we call junk tech or tech that should be limited and monitored. I think that's a really helpful reminder to parents about the quality piece. And I think parents sometimes focus on how many hours and they don't really think about what their kids are watching or, or how they're consuming technology. Right. And so, for example, if a six-year-old is watching you know, 15 minutes, let's say, but they are on something highly addictive, you know, like a Candy Crush game or something toxic, kids can fall into seeing really disturbing images online. You know, that's not okay, even though it's 15 minutes. Uh, on the other hand, uh, I recently had a story of an immigrant family who were using FaceTime and technology to stay connected uh, to their culture in Ethiopia and talk to grandparents and to tune into like the morning prayer and their children were on for like an hour in the morning. And that is actually healthy tech and meaningful tech. So really, uh, we now have to go deeper beyond time to quality. And that's where I believe the tech diet metaphor and solution really um, is can be helpful to parents. Excellent. And we are going to be really getting into and diving into um, those deeper solutions and strategies. But just before we kind of get into the specific strategies, Dr. King, I'm wondering if you can just explain a bit about the science behind why children and youth are so drawn to screens and technology, and a bit about what the long-term impacts of this might be for their mental health. Sure. So the reason why they're drawn in is, uh, I would say, a variety of reasons. The most kind of co popular common one is what's called persuasive design. And that means that the actual design of the technology uh, devices, whether it's the phone, laptop, iPad, et cetera, and the programs, so social media programs, video game programs, uh, have a specific design 
um, that is intentionally trying to release a neurochemical called dopamine. Now, dopamine is our neurochemical of reward and pleasure, short-term pleasure. We evolved from hunter and gatherers. And um, so we get these little hits of dopamine when we hunt. Um, think of a video game where you're you know, uh, literally hunting or killing people or getting scores and leveling up. Or when we gather, think of social media, gathering likes, gathering friends. So those little hits of dopamine feel good. It's our temporary reward. Um, and it's part of our human biology system. However, in the real world, they were meant to be um, incentives to then go further into the healthy behaviors um, and to kind of get us uh, motivated and social bonding and create creative exercises and take care of ourselves in a variety of ways. So the technology design of this, which is really just the dopamine, is dangerous in the sense that it can be highly addictive. Um, there's nothing wrong with video games and enjoying a video game or social media. My kids love it. You know, I love hearing them laugh and joke. But the problem comes where now they can't get off the video game. Um, you know, it's encroaching on their sleep and their physical activity and their uh, peer relationships and their family relationships. It's at the dinner table. It's in the middle of a classroom. So that's a really key problem is how we are hooked to it um, and drawn to it. I think that people sometimes kind of focus a lot on uh, technology and they speak about what the possible negative effects are. But we also know that there, there can be some positive impacts as well, too. Can you speak to that? Absolutely. Tech has profound benefits. You know, we know tech can be used for self-care and mindfulness and improving our sleep and um, Fitbits and helping us keep track of our goals. It can be used for meaningful connection. I think in education, it's very important. Um, two of my children have learning uh, differences. My daughter has dyslexia and Josh, who's here with me, has ADHD and, and written output disorder and tech has really allowed them to have access and, and some equalization in the school system. They use tech um, to help with reading and writing. And, um, and we know that's true in other areas like autism. So tech is extremely powerful. It is our road to innovation. Um, and I believe that if we help guide children towards healthy tech use and off unhealthy tech use, now we're actually able to have this generation tap into the profound power of it. Josh, question for you. What do you like doing during your tech time and what is it about it that you enjoy? Something that I, I do during like my tech time is probably playing NBA 2K with either my cousins or my friends because like I find that really fun and we always like talk, we're always talking to each other for like the whole two hours. And it's not like I'm playing alone, not talking to anyone. No, like it's good. I get to hear their voices. And like that's even during this whole pandemic, it's something that's really kept me in touch with all my friends is playing video games with them. Like I just ask them how they're doing and how everyone is like coping with all of this. And it's good to laugh and joke with them. So like, yeah, that's something that I mainly use my tech time for because it's something that I find really fun and I get to play with my cousins and friends. So. Oh, that's really awesome. So from what you're describing, it kind of sounds like, you know, the, vid the video games, you know, kind of the mechanism, but like it promotes that social connection that you were talking about. Yeah, exactly. From your perspective, can you help parents understand what it is about screens and video games that makes them so appealing for young people? Like, what's the draw? <laughs> I love, like, talking to other people and playing with other people because, like, I'll be talking with them, making jokes. I'm, like, laughing constantly. And if I'm enjoying playing the game, then I just have a really fun time. It also kind of relaxes me 
a bit hearing everyone's voices and everything and just listening to other people and like but some of the games are like challenging and you have to use your mind i guess for some of them and there's a lot of strategy involved in others and it's just a lot of fun you're listening to where you are coming up we chat about the top three battles that families face when it comes to tech use and what families can do to manage these while keeping their stress levels low Dr. King, getting a little bit more into strategies and tips for families, what advice do you have for parents and families on developing healthy tech habits? Well, I think the first strategy is let's uh, accept and acknowledge that um, guiding children towards healthy tech habits is a fundamental aspect of modern day parenting. Um, Now, that sounds kind of obvious, but I think it's worth saying because I think there is this idea that maybe the school's doing it or, you know, the tech should be regulated itself. And if it's not appropriate, why do kids even are, why are they able to download it? Uh, Well, nobody else is going to be doing this uh, for our children. We really, as parents, have to make ourselves uh, present and have it as a priority. And then number two, I say, let's use a familiar metaphor. Let's use something we already know how to do. Um, And so I give the example of food and diet. And I say, we know that from a young age, we start teaching children what's healthy food, what's kind of junk food, treat food, and what is the really toxic food to avoid. And we understand that we have to do this at a young age and we have to do it repetitively. And we have to, as they grow, loosen up our restrictions and allow them to make the choices to put them on the path of independence. So we can do the same with technology. We can understand there is healthy tech and that is tech that leads to, you know, the release of these neurochemicals of endorphin, oxytocin, serotonin. These are moments and experiences on technology that are actually healthy for us, improve our health, improve our happiness, improve our motivation. There's junk tech, what I would say is like junk food, a little bit isn't going to kill you. Um, You know, we all allow our kids to eat pizza and chips and ice cream here and there. But if that's all they're consuming, then it can become a real problem. And that's the certain um, tech that is really embedded with that persuasive design, uh, video games and social media, mindless scrolling, some of these kind of YouTube videos that are really nonsensical and our kids are spending hours and hours, they're not getting thing, anything out of it, but it's like eating a bag of chips mindlessly. And then there's the toxic tech, like toxic food. You know, we tell our kids don't have spoiled milk. Well, you know, cyberbullying and hate online and uh, FOMO actually is something, the fear of missing out uh, and comparisons, meaning comparing our lives with other people's fake filters lives online is very toxic. And that releases that neurochemical cortisol that needs to be avoided for a young person. One hour of Instagram could be toxic, um, releasing cortisol, if all they're doing is comparing themselves to others and feeling less, less than enough. It could be junk tech, releasing dopamine, just like mindless scrolling, like eating a bag of candy. Or it could be healthy tech if they're making meaningful connections, part of a community, being creative, or doing any type of self-care. So that one hour of Instagram could fall into any of those three categories. And how would parents help their children identify if they're on Instagram or another social media channel, if, if what they're doing is kind of more in the category of healthy tech use or junk or toxic? Yeah, I think a good way is to observe your child and to communicate and talk to them. 
So the cortisol, you can almost see in their faces and in their body posture, um, it looks stressful. They look stressful um, or they leave and they're angry and upset. And many parents tell me that, oh, my God, after my son plays video games, he's in the worst mood. Well, that's cortisol. That's toxic tech. Whatever that experience that was didn't uplift them. And in fact, it brought them down. For the dopamine, I think what I hear a lot of is people say, my kids just zoned out. They're like, again, when you think of how we might mindlessly eat food, you know, they're not engaged actively. I think the scrolling and they're just kind of um, zoned out and not moving even um, and seem to be just addicted in that way. And then the healthy tech, you're going to hear laughter. You're going to hear bonding. You're going to hear pride. And hey, mom, look what I made. I made this cool um, drawing or I made this dance on TikTok or I created this website or made this movie. So you're going to be able to see it and hear it in our children when we when they've had these experiences. So observe them and then ask them how they're feeling based on the tech experiences they're having. That makes sense. And what you were saying about toxic tech actually made me think about keeping kids safe while they're online. I'm wondering if you can speak a little bit to that, that parents can use to make sure that their kids are safe while they're online. Yeah, I guess with safety, I mean, there's, you can put in parental controls. Those are really important. You, uh, I would say definitely check your children's phones. My kids don't have their own phones. We let them borrow our phones. That means uh, I can always take it back and look you know, when, when I feel it's appropriate, you want to do that collaboratively. Uh, but then you also want to scaffold their independence. And if they're able to show that they can use technology safely, then you can give them more. But you definitely don't want to start by just handing them this powerful device. We don't just hand kids a car key. Uh, we, we talk to them about it. We take them driving. We let them drive local roads. And then we take them on the highway. Uh, nor should we be doing the same for tech. Great. And that just uh, makes me think about parents that are just starting to think about how they're going to have these conversations. How would you kind of suggest families to kind of come up with all of these rules that they're going to have around tech use in their homes? Yeah, definitely collaboratively. And but I do realize parents, you know, also just like, can you just tell me what to do? Because uh, <laughs> it's a tough thing. Uh, and I have a refrigerator sheet, uh, which I'm happy to pass on. Uh, and it can be linked to this podcast, which are like house rules for tech, things like delay as long as you can look for these three things, time management, emotional regulation, social skills before you introduce a device, shut off the Wi Fi at a certain time, and no phones in tech in the bedrooms, charging station in, in a common area like the kitchen, uh, frequent conversations, uh, make sure that you have access to your kids passwords, don't give them a phone, have them borrow your phone. Uh, and so there's a whole list of things. Uh, part of them are just tried and true things that I've learned and tried as a parent. Others are guidelines from uh, the Pediatric Association and Common Sense Media, but it's kind of put together in a one pager. But then you can take those rules and sit with your child and say, okay, how does this work for us? Um, and I always talk about this idea of dolphin parenting, being a firm but flexible parent. You're firm in your sense that we believe tech is powerful and can be beneficial and we want to use it in a healthy way. You're very firm on that, um, but you're flexible at times saying, okay, on weekends, you can have a bit more junk tech and okay, I understand you love video games. And so in our family, you know, Josh is the oldest and he gets a bit more um, tech time because, you know, he has earned that independence, but he also has ADHD. So, you know, we have to be careful with him, but he gets 
his noise canceling headphones, whereas my other kids don't get to wear headphones in, in the house. Um, and definitely be playful. There's a lot of conflict in people's homes because of technology. Um, and I would encourage parents to also start to enjoy the benefits of tech with your child uh, when you can. Josh, hearing what your mom said um, regarding healthy tech diet strategies, it's pretty clear that you guys would have sat down as a family and developed some tech use guidelines. What was that experience like for you? And do you have any tips for our listeners who are going to want to try this at home with their families? At first, I think, as you guys could all guess, um, us as kids were pretty not very happy about it. And we wanted just like no limits at all. But like, as I grow older, I realize like it's a better thing for me. And I can actually see like these rules are there to help me. If my parents didn't control the limit of my text use, then I would just use it all day and just let and I would like lose interest in things that I really have a passion for like sports and like basketball and soccer and like my public speaking. And you mentioned just about limits, you know, so what tells you like that you've had enough or too much screen time? Like, how do you know when you've hit that personal limit? For me, it even if like without without like all of these rules enforced, I would because of my ADHD, I kind of get bored of things over time. So I can't sit down and play video games for like four hours on end or like the most I think I've played in one sitting was like two hours. And that was, I found that very challenging because I, I get like my eyes get droopy and tired and my head kind of starts to hurt and my mouth gets all dry. And that's like kind of when I know I've had enough. So I'd go like take a break, maybe drink some water and go spend some time outside. And it could be different for everyone else. So Dr. King, as you mentioned earlier in our conversation, COVID-19 has really changed how much everyone is using screens with many activities being moved online with school, camps, uh, Zoom chats. And parents um, sometimes do need to rely a bit more on screens due to work or um, household commitments. Does that change any of the strategies that you've put forward to parents run healthy tech habits? You know, we were all in a really stressful time in the spring. And, you know, just like our diets kind of went out the window and people talk about quarantine 15 or COVID 15, you know, the same happened with tech. You know, people were stressed and we were using a whole variety of coping skills. People were eating too much junk food. They were using too much tech. But I do really want to say that we can't keep that mentality just because now we're still at you know, experiencing some of this pandemic, um, just like we all realize that, okay, we got to, you know, get back to fitness, we got to get back to outdoor, um, you know, sunlight, get our bodies moving and be social. And this is, you know, here for a while. Uh, and uh, we got to get more to long term, um, you know, long term management, uh, I would say definitely, you know, with school, with the school year, uh, with any kind of change. And you can decide any time as a parent, um, you are the parent that now, you know what, we, we need, it's time for a change. Um, and it's best to do it collaboratively and, and use yourself as an example and say, you know what, I used too much tech at the beginning. I watched too much news. I was addicted to my phone or, you know, using it too much. And I'm really trying to cut down now. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to use healthy tech. I'm going to use it for self-care. I'm going to use it for connection. I'm going to use it for creativity. Limit and monitor that junk tech and avoid the toxic tech. Have these conversations. It has to be repetitive. Role model it as best as you can. Um, and definitely it's more important now through COVID because um, kids just have more access to screens and it's harder to just monitor time and 
I mean, in, in the remote learning environment, like we know, you know, Josh tells me even in his class, kids are on their phones. Sometimes they're playing video games. Like we just, it can't be about policing. It really has to be about guiding um, and educating. Dr. King, you've supported many families and done a lot of research on the topic of technology use. What would you say are the top two or three recurring battles for families on this topic? Oh, definitely the spectrum of addiction, meaning, you know, not all kids who are playing or on social media are addicted, but I definitely have seen that. I'm an addiction specialist. That's been my research and it has absolutely devastated them and their family. Um, And then I see kind of the um, beginnings of that. So, you know, parents who know their children are headed in that direction. Um, So, you know, abuse um, symptoms where there's cravings, there's out of control use, there's consequences of not sleeping, not exercising, um, withdrawn behavior, not playing sports, not being involved in musical theater or extracurricular, and really being drawn into this world. Um, So that's number one. Number two, I would say is the comparisons and the the fear of missing out and the anxiety um, that goes with that. It is in both. And of course, gender is not binary, but um, the research is pointing to uh, social media really impacting, you know, young girls uh, a bit more uh, with anxiety, body image disturbance as well. Um, And I definitely have seen uh, quite a bit of that in my practice. And then the third area, I think, isn't talked about enough, but I'm kind of putting it under the category of burnout. Um, So these aren't kids who are addicted or depressed or anxious, but who just have so much going on. It's a lot of work to maintain your social media account. And even if you don't have an account, uh, I'll give an example of a young girl in my practice who's 15 she would spend two, three hours a night just liking and commenting all her friends' stuff because she felt it was the polite thing to do. It was just this need to be there and then answer text messages when they come in and um, all the bombardment of constant notifications. So I think that one we haven't really talked about enough, but you know, just that constantly being on uh, is um, you know, seeping in as well. So those would be my three top observations. I'm just going to pose one last question to each of you. Josh, do you have any final thoughts or words of wisdom for families on tech use? Especially something for like the teens like me is really like, even though you might not want to listen to your parents because they're full of like they have wisdom and they know what they're talking about. Even if you think um, you know more than them on this tech, which you might because I know some of the parents aren't as educated as like some others about this whole tech situation, still like listen to them. And even if not, try to regulate yourself and try to look at yourself and kind of have some self-care for how much you're using tech. And Dr. Kang, any takeaways for families? Parenting is tough. Um, There's no doubt about that. Uh, It definitely has become even harder in our current world environment. Um, There seems to be lots of things to pay attention to. Having common sense rules, house rules, uh, monitoring uh, tech use and, um, you know, guiding children towards uh, healthy tech consumption, just like we guide them towards healthy food consumption. Sometimes it's frustrating. Sometimes it seems like a lot of work, uh, but it definitely is that payoff and to, uh, you know, get these habits in early and it's also never too late because a lot of times parents are like, oh, no, it's beyond it now. He's 17. He's never going to listen to me. 
you know, that's not true. You know, I've met many young people in their 20s, even 30s who tell me that, you know, they recognize that they wore their parents down, they didn't listen, they were very strong willed, but they were so grateful um, that their parents kind of stuck with, um, you know, their guidelines and stuck with their, you know, their desire to help their children um, have healthy life habits. It is definitely worth those efforts. Thanks so much, Dr. Kang and Josh, for joining us today. I think you both highlighted some really great practical suggestions for families to take away. Thank you so much for having us. Thanks, Michelle, for co-hosting another episode. And thanks to our listeners out there as well. This episode of Where You Are is brought to you by BC Children's Kelty Mental Health Resource Centre. To find resources mentioned in today's episode or for more episodes of Where You Are, go to keltymentalhealth.ca slash podcast or find us wherever you listen to podcasts. We hope you'll make us a go-to resource to promote your family's mental health and wellness from where you are to where you want to be.